Jared's that working for you? A little bit of House of the Rising stuff? Sounds like I just got in my truck. Oh, really? <laughs> Speaking our language now, Troy. <laughs> You're listening to Money Talks with uh, Troy Harmon, KC Smith, and Jarrett McKenzie. We have here David from Atlanta, um, and he's considering some things within his 401k firm, uh, or excuse me, within his 401k at his firm uh, that He's saying he feels trapped in the high invest or high fees that are contained within the investments of that 401k. Now these investments all seem to have high fees, he says, and then there are the administration fees as well. He says the firm's only got 30 or so employees, but the system seems strangely skewed against them. Uh, he also says that he's hearing some of the younger employees laughing and saying that they're not giving their money away to a 401k. What do they know that I don't? What do you got to say to David there? Well, I mean, the the first thing is that's very true. The, the fees can vary widely among different types of 401k plans, both from the standpoint of the investments within the plan and then the administration fees and, and service fees that are attached to the plan as well. And, you know, just because you have a small firm doesn't necessarily mean you get, you got to pay a higher fee for service or, or for the investment expenses. I mean, the investment options that are available to you uh, are going to be the majority of the cost within the plan. And then there's some you know, the administration fees are another component to that. Um, you know, one of the things that, one of the services that we offer uh, at Hensler, not to, you know, make this into a self-serving <laughs> infomercial, but... but uh, well, it's, it's the truth. It's, it's necessary. <laughs> well, one of the services that we yeah. do provide is to, to uh, take a look at your current plan and, and offer you some, uh, tell you what the fees are and, and to be able to offer you uh, some alternatives to say, you know, different providers, here's how you might be able to save some experience right. and still get the same quality or hopefully better quality investments. Yeah, and um, even, uh, you know, quite often we look at those plans and we find that the, the fees aren't too bad and we can yeah. give them advice on which of the, the options within that portfolio sure. actually fit with the rest of their portfolio. Yeah. Another one of those ways that, you know, it's good for us to well, There is to still a, a substantial amount of guidance needed there, I think. I mean, a lot of people we find are looking at, what do they have, 15 options or so? Yeah, They're saying, awesome. well, I can... I can make a, you know, I can pick out of 15. I'm not looking at this entire stock universe like like a professional advisor might be and just say, well, yeah, I'll just do kind of, you know, what I feel like I should within these 15 investments. And that that can really start to skew the overall strategy that you've got in place if you've got assets outside of that 401. There is a lot more clarity now than there used to be as far as what the fees actually are. I guess starting yeah. in 2012. Sure. A lot, of, a lot of noise has been made in the media yeah, about, absolutely. you know, fees and mm-hmm. rightly so. Yeah, the disclosures now that have to be provided to the participants within the plan are, are dramatically different than they were prior to 2012. So you do have a lot of information available to you to be able to go in and look kind of under the hood of those plans and see what are the fees that you're paying and does it make sense to pay those fees um, if you can go get a similar investment um, lineup or uh, similar plan service and, and options then for a lower fee, then why wouldn't you do that? So right. Uh, it, it's creating some competition in that space as well that's driving costs down. Right. One one thing that I, I see a lot when I look at people's 401ks is uh, they'll take the, the default option that is their target date fund, basically yeah. a fund that's uh, put together for somebody that's expected to, tar- to uh, retire within a four, five, ten-year period, whatever it is. And uh, while that's a real easy decision to make, it doesn't always – make the best sense. You have to kind of hold the the uh, um, that 
out as uh, the portfolio that uh, that someone else might have chosen for you. But I, trust me, uh, every 2050 plan or 2050 target date fund is not the same. Right. Their performance is not all going to be the same. Some of them are a lot more conservative. Some of them are a lot more aggressive. Uh, if you're out 30 years, you can take a, a bit more risk. Sure. Uh, you know, and, and I think just about every target date fund I've ever seen, no matter what the retirement target date is, has bonds in it. And I I'm not so sure that that's going to be your absolute best choice. probably some cash, too. I mean, there uh, might be some sometimes. uninvested money that's, that's just sitting there and not earning anything. So. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, they'll load them up with all kind of things. It, it's it's good to review your 401k for sure. As we've been answering a question or two, and I never gave out the contact information. Let's do that real quick. Uh, you can email us any question you have. We love to answer your financial questions. Uh, drgene at hensler.com is the email address. Uh, we can also uh, take your calls locally, 770-429-9166. And then we have a, a question hotline that uh, our producer set up for us recently. It is uh, 1-855-429-9166. You can call in, ask us your question, and we can play the audio online for you. And uh, actually, guys, we do have one of those this week. Listen to Alex real quick. Hi, uh, this is Alex from Kennesaw. I'm interested in investing in Netflix, and I've been looking at their projected earnings growth and the P-to-E ratio estimates for 2017 and the years after that. Being new to investing, I'm wondering if there are any more sound methods to look at when evaluating what their long-term growth might look like and if there's anything I should know when looking at those estimates. Thank you. All right, Alex. Uh, yeah, you know, the the uh, case with Netflix really is about growth. Uh, if you look at revenue growth, it's been kind of off the charts, 35.6% annually for the last three years. Uh, but when it comes to earnings growth, um, we're only growing by 1%. As long as the stock's growing, I'm, I'm happy. Jared is Jared is a huge advocate. I I will tell you, Netflix actually meets our criteria for investment, uh, which means that you know it's going to be relatively safe. If you look at uh, items like the balance sheet and the fact that uh, it it doesn't have much debt, very uh, uh, achievable debt, it's uh, you know easy to service. I guess is the best way. But you know when it comes to uh, predictable earnings, I'm not so sure that we've got one here that's uh, all that predictable. I well, would you say that, that some of that, some of that? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I'm just going to say the last couple of uh, earnings releases, they've knocked the cover off the ball. Right. They've, they've beaten significantly. But uh, you know, at some point, and and you know, the price on this thing, the PE ratio, 331 times earnings. Yeah, that's pretty expensive. That's tough. That's to how Jared. I hope your uh, price is no, much I've, lower. I've than been you. holding it for years. Years. <laughs> All right. So he's a, a seasoned investor in that. House of Cards coming back. As long as, long as I'm paying that monthly fee, I'm going to be a shareholder because I know every time it comes out, I say, man, is this yeah. worth it? Well, I'll tell you this. In times past, I have actually kind of uh, sneered at. at Netflix as an investment, I guess I tied it too much to maybe the old blockbuster and how easy that seemed to be to kill. But you got Netflix now that's creating its own content. Yeah, uh, it's it's more than and just it's good a, content too. It, it really is right, and it's it's more than just a, a a way to go out and rent somebody else's movie. They're actually creating things within it. Um, you know, I I would have to still call it if you own it, hang on to it. Uh, but I can't get behind buying something at 331 times no, earnings. I wouldn't buy it now. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty expensive. Yeah. So anyway, there we have it. Uh, 
We'll call it a hold, I guess, just to keep from throwing big rocks. Uh, <laughs> we got another question here from Alan from Dallas. Uh, he says, I know this might be more consumer finance, but I wanted to get your opinions on buying versus leasing a car. I could lease for less and invest the difference, or I could own, which sounds like the better long-term option. Uh, we already covered don't lease your dog, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> pr- pretty much. All right, but your car is a whole different story. Car is a different story. Yeah. Do you guys get an answer for that? Y'all are the CFP types. Come on, guys. Yeah, we're used to this answer. It depends. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. What are y'all This is your typical, your typical it depends answer right here. Wow. Okay. Um, Obviously, there's some benefits to both, and we could probably make the argument for either, depending on what the scenario is. But um, obviously, if you're the kind of person that wants to drive a, a new vehicle every couple of years, then leasing is probably the best way to go, wouldn't you say, Jerry? Yeah, I mean, you know, financially, I don't know that it would – you would look back and say, oh, that was the best decision financially. But some of this is behavioral too, right, which there's a lot of in this business. And I think that the clients that I, I see that want to lease that maybe aren't, say, a business owner and, and can run that lease through the business and sort of, you know, get some tax breaks or advantages because of it, you're right that they want to own a new car. You know, they like driving something new around every couple of years. And there's these benefits that are much more behaviorally tied than they are financially tied. Because again, if you look back, you know, five, 10 years from now and say, was that the best decision financially? Rarely, I would say at least, at least not as much as you otherwise would say, maybe I don't think that was the best decision. You can probably drive a, a, a newer, nicer car maybe and be able to afford the payment better with a lease because of the way that they calculate the payment. Exactly. It's not based on, you know, the purchase price, the value of the car when you buy it. It's based on the depreciation, actually. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a different way of coming up with how much your payment's going to be. So you can probably get a little bit more car for your money if you lease. On right. The, on the flip side. There's limitations. Yeah, there's, there's definitely limitations. You know, you're usually limited on how many miles you can drive in a year. Um, you know, twelve to 15,000 would be kind of typical. Yep. Um, you know, there's – there's uh, if, if you're the kind of person like I am where you're pretty pretty hard on your vehicle and mm-hmm. i got two small kids, so – Right. Uh, it's not something that I'd want to go turn into the, the dealer after a couple of years and feel real good about it. Were <laughs> so, oh, you afraid you'd miss the Pop-Tart between the yeah, seats? Yeah, I, I might. There might be some French fries between yeah. the seats or, or some, uh, loose change, you know, some crayons. In the, on well, the, you said you had sure. kids. You don't have loose change. No, that's, that's for sure. Right. All that's sucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, this is very, very circumstantial with regard to your question here, Alan, because it may very well be right for you, depending on you know where you're at. Are you a business owner? Or are you not? Do you, are you do you have a mindset like what Casey was talking about a minute ago, and maybe like to have a car every couple of years? Do you are you in a position to where you you don't need to have that lower payment or that to make more sense for you? Uh, at this time, I mean, it, it's going to vary from person to person, and you, you know, we might present the same issue or or your situation uh, to two different people, and they have very different answers because of their circumstances. So, yeah, there's really no wrong answer. It just depends on uh, kind of what what your circumstances are, and it's more of a behavioral finance question than anything, I would say, especially if you're not a business owner. Most definitely. Not an across-the-board answer. It's kind of one that's a personal decision as much as anything. That's right. Yeah. All right. So uh, we got another question here we can cover real quick before the end of the show. Uh, Brad from Forest Park says, uh, I have a small position in Skyworks Solutions. I'm pleased with the performance, and I'd like to invest more, but I'm also concerned because it's at its 52-week high or near its 52-week high. What are your opinions? Well, first of all, I'm not a huge fan of looking at the 52-week high. 
I was going to say that's we have uh, a lot of stocks right now that are near their 52-week high. And were when the Dow was at 19,000. Right. Where it is now. Yeah, yeah exactly. We've got Dow over 21,000 this week. We didn't talk much about it. And, I, you know, to be honest with you, it seems like uh, the market does nothing but go up these days. That's because I keep saying it'll go down. That's well, why I do that. Yeah, oh, thanks, Jerry. <laughs> I, I forgot again to thank you for that. Uh, but the, the, the thing that I would recommend is look at the fundamentals. you got this stock. Uh, it has a, a P.E. ratio of 20.29, which is relatively low. Uh, it's, it's below uh, historic value. At, you know, about 20.59, I think, is, is uh, uh, the, the better portion of that. Um, it looks to be reasonably, reasonably priced for the uh, PEG ratio, which is the forward P.E. divided by growth. Uh, long-term growth expected at about 14.7%. Uh, the PEG is 1% which is right on par for where I would normally say, you know, it's, this is a viable stock. Yeah. Uh, it's much lower than the market. Uh, lately, it's got an EVA spread, which is the return on invested capital minus the weighted average cost of capital. EVA spread of 12%, which is substantially higher than most companies. Uh, Skyworks, you know, the re revenue growth is also impressive, over 20%. Uh, you got operating profit margin at 34.4%. The only thing, the, the company makes um, semiconductor products, and, uh, it, you know, it's got plenty of intellectual property. Um, it, it's connecting their, their products. They're the products that they, they uh, uh, their devices go in are part of the Internet of Things. You've got a, a lot of uh, their semiconductors are going into that particular space. So things are good for them at the moment. I, uh, I, you know, I don't know why you would want to sell. You could easily buy more, I think. So sure. there you go. Uh, guys, we're coming down to the wire now. And, uh, Jarrett, I'm going to ask you, you go one first, question. Jared, because I'm going to do the opposite of whatever you say. Well, look, I've got some clients with cash in these two invest, so I'm going to say it's going up this week. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll buy an opportunity. Jared. You're going to make me the contrarian now. I'm going to say down. Wow. You really went with that. Yeah. I, I think he just played you. Hey, I'm doing the opposite. We'll see if oh, that's good stuff. I, I talk to you about fundamentals. We talk about how strange it is to, to have the moves that we've had. And then we just make a joke. We make a mockery out of the market. <laughs> I think on, it's from week to week, really. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I guess. Come on. You're right. Long term, the Long term is going up. Go up. All right. Well, you've been listening to Money Talks. Tune in again next week, and we'll fill you with the same brilliance. Take care. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. 
Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.